Brian, how's it going, man? I'm going good, Ben. It's going good. Yeah. Good. You are the first writer I've had on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I personally don't know anyone as uh, accomplished as you are writing. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's great to have you on to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, Appreciate it. Because I have, I have listeners that uh, have aspirations of writing. So mm-hmm. maybe you'll have some uh some clues and hints and maybe just tell them like you need some more grit maybe i don't know yeah yeah would love to give them some pointers if possible yeah. cool cool yeah. so i guess we'll start out with um well let's just go from the beginning i made us some uh kentucky mules so very good we're gonna have a good time here with our yeah. copper cups it's the only way you can have a mule <laughs> exactly so was there a time in general that you knew you wanted to write or was there like a defining moment? Yeah, good question. Um, you know what? I'd always loved reading. Uh, we were talking about books before we, we got on. Just always loved reading. Um, you know, been a reader just ever since I can remember. Uh, loved going to the library and, and loved going to the uh, uh, library at the schools. And, you know, they had the... Uh, uh, the the reading requirements things you'd have to do every I don't know if you'd had to do that in school mm-hmm. we had to do that when I was uh, a little and uh, you know we'd have the uh, certain amount of stars for the size of the book and uh, I always picked the biggest books possible so I'd, like the least amount of reading required and then I just go read whatever I'd want to uh, in the background uh, so I've always been a reader um, I started so writing was kind of just a natural extension of of the uh, reading experience for me. Uh, so I really started writing, writing, uh, my own thoughts down and kind of telling my own stories, uh, probably when I was about 10 is when I really started, uh, getting serious with that and just kind of been doing it ever since. Okay. Was there, was there something at that age that you had read recently, maybe that, that made you think like I can build my own world? Yeah. There was a, a book series, uh, called the Chronicles of Prydain. Uh, okay. it was a really, uh, really kind of formative, uh, book series for me. Uh, and then I also read the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy, yeah. of course. Uh, I think that's like required reading if you're yeah. going to be a fantasy nerd. Uh, but I actually read that when I was 10. Yeah. Uh, so that was extremely heavy uh, for me as a, as a young kid. I didn't understand half of it. Uh, but I enjoyed it. And just that was really kind of stuck with me. And I read that series uh, every few years uh, after that. So that, those are kind of the ones that got me, uh, got me going on it. I don't know if you remember that Disney uh, movie, the the Black Cauldron, or not. Uh, it yeah. was about a yep. farmer kid, and he yeah. had a pet pig. Yeah, those are the Chronicles of uh, Pride, and I believe, and uh, that was uh, kind of a big formative uh, book for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Black Cauldron. Um, it, it always seemed to me a little more mature than it was uh, made out to be. Yeah. For the, you know what the, what they made, but. Um, they weren't scared to to approach mature concepts yeah. uh, back then on on shows and movies. Yeah, I liked a lot of those, um, like uh, the Last Unicorn. A lot of those yeah. like, older anime. Mm-hmm. I, I like that animation style. Yeah, like me the too. old Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those are my favorite, man. Yeah, uh, my, my favorite anime is definitely uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Okay, uh, with the mature concepts it had, and just it wasn't afraid to uh, approach things like war and and violence and uh, revenge and stuff like that, and yeah. those kind of concepts. Uh, just always kind of stuck with me, even as a as a kid. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Lord of the Rings, man. That's yeah. I mean, I think that's. I mean, if that's like a a goal for any writer, I think is to at least like, is you know, if someone came up to you and said, "I really loved your books. It reminded me of Tolkien." I mean, I can't imagine anything that would like make me like swell up you know <laughs> that would definitely be the biggest compliment uh i think in order to meet that requirement you'd probably have to uh you know write about trees for two or three pages straight and, yeah yeah and then come up with all kinds of uh songs for several pages straight so there's a lot of things he did that you probably couldn't get away with in today's traditional publishing market but uh yeah that'd definitely be a, a good compliment to have yeah i mean having you know your own languages that you yep. built and, and there, there are a lot of songs in there so this Last summer, I my son is seven, and uh, last summer I read him uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. and then I read him the Hobbit, and then we started, uh, I don't know maybe October with I just read him at night, so it's like until he goes to sleep. So sometimes it's like two pages, sometimes it's ten pages, it just depends on what puts him to sleep. But right. I think October I started uh, Fellowship. Okay, and. Um, so I, I want to, you know, I'm going to read the whole series when he's young and then hopefully later he'll pick it back up and really understand all this stuff. But he, um, in fellowship, he, uh, he, he cried when Gandalf died. Yep. Yeah. As, as everyone should. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, wait, spoilers for wait. those who haven't read it. <laughs> right. Or seen, <laughs> or the, the seen the movies. Yeah. yeah. Sure. But he, um, uh, he, I think it's it's out of the the range of like you can't call spoiler alert on that. Yeah, it's only been uh, you know twenty two years or so. Yeah, yeah, I guess you can get away with that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he was just like, wait, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, the Balrog's whip got his leg and pulled him down, and he went into the abyss. And he's mm-hmm. like, abyss, like in the cavern. I was like, at the bottom of that whatever it is, because there's all they can see is darkness down there. Yep. And he was like, oh, so he died. It's like, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> and then he just started his face, you know, starts to contort. And you're like, oh, man, here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been fun. We're on Two Towers now. Uh, I just finished uh, the chapter with Treebeard. So there's yep. your, you're talking about uh, <laughs> trees. There you go. Yep. Still the best <laughs> book, though, for sure. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, because it's gotten to the Riders of Rohan and everything, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, all that. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm, I'm hoping to give him a love for, for me, I, I read those when I was pretty young, not, not 10, but, um, I think around 10, it was more like, <laughs> I mean, I just like consumed goosebumps, you know, and then, uh, I was a big fan of goosebumps too. The uh, Magic Harry the Potter. Gathering books. Did you ever read any of the Magic the Gathering stuff? I, I haven't. I actually yeah. recently got into, uh, that game too. Yeah, yeah. So. The, the, the books, I mean, I don't know what the quality of the books are now, but back then they had some really good stories to go along with a lot of that stuff. But, uh, I read a lot of those, but, um, yeah, I'm going to, so I'm going to show everyone, I'm going to get these from you and I'm actually, I'll probably, I'll probably read these and then I'm going to give them to my brother. Cause my brother's like huge in fantasy. So awesome. He'll, he'll like nerd out on this stuff. Um, so we have, this is the Atonement Trilogy. It's book one. Spirit of Vengeance. Spirit of Revenge, sorry. What is Similar the... Similar name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Spirit of Revenge. What is the... If there was like one theme you would say was this trilogy, what would you say it is? Well, I'd go the cheap route and say Revenge. Okay. Uh, however, uh, it's really more about... Uh, 
forgiveness and uh, closure. Um, okay. It's about the struggle of revenge. That's why it's called the spirit of revenge. It's not necessarily about going out and finding the vengeance because sometimes it's just not attainable. Uh, so it's about finding peace with yourself is really what I would say the, the theme of the uh, trilogy would be about. Okay. Uh, one reason it's called the Atonement Trilogy. Uh, right. There's a few reasons why, but that yeah, would be yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's... um. That makes sense. Sometimes you, you get, um, you feel slighted and you, you, you seek vengeance, but then, um, on the, in the process, it feels like it's a burden. So maybe just that burden turns into something else. Yeah. It's about how far you're willing to go. At what point do you, uh, have to back off or sacrifice too much? I go all the way, man. All the way. All the way. All right. Book two of the atonement trilogy, a new reign. And this is, this is cool art. Who, who did Thank the you. art? Uh, it was a Romanian artist I found uh, on some online groups I'm in. Uh, her name was Amalia Cittilescu. Uh She does uh, really great work. Uh, so she did uh, the, that trilogy there for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you reminded me to get that name from you again. And I'll, I'll make sure to uh, attribute that. Yeah, look her up. She, uh, she's a really, really good artist. Does a lot of cover art. That's cool, yeah. Um, book three is... Hefty. A little heftier. It's hefty. <laughs> yeah. Book three, The Shadow of War. Mm-hmm. More of this fantastic art. I like this guy. Yeah. Usually yeah. Like Hanging a, out on the on like, the bodies. It's like a mage warrior. Or yeah, like, yeah, kind of. Uh, what do they call him? Battle mage? Mm-hmm. Something? Yeah, yeah, that one's uh, 600 pages. <laughs> that's, that's pretty hefty. And then, okay, so when did, when did you write these? Uh, yeah, good question. I, so I started work on the trilogy um, seriously when I was about 14. Um, I actually wrote... Uh, the first two books on paper, on 8 by 11 paper, wow. uh, handwritten. Uh, did that about junior high, middle school time frame. Uh, so I actually have the first two books handwritten. Obviously, you know, it wasn't good being a, uh, writing as a kid. So it took many years of uh, formulating my abilities to really publish it. Um, but I did publish the first one at 18. Um, I learned a lot doing that, uh, that young and uh, doing everything myself. I didn't have a mentor. Uh, to kind of show me the ropes. So it was a lot of trial and error and, and learning things the hard way. Um, but yeah, I published that one at 18. Uh, finished my uh, the third book, The Shadow of War. Uh, finished that one back in 2018. Oh, wow. So that's... So a little bit of stretch there. You know, I had uh, life and college and uh, all that good stuff kind of in the way. But that time made it so much heftier. It did. So that's good. Yeah. Um, the first book is about almost 400. The second one is a little over 400. And the third one is uh, 600. So it comes out to uh, about 12, 1400 words total. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm uh, talking about. Pages total. Um, how do you do it? Because writing is hard. I have never met someone who is just like, oh, yeah, it's easy. You know, <laughs> like anyone that it, for anything, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for uh, technical writing, for writing short stories, for writing poems, anything. It's like it's hard. But th- I I mean, even me, I wouldn't say I'm a poet or anything, but I can write some poems in different sure. different styles or whatever. But this like long form is that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And I think anyone who tells you it's not is uh, lying to themselves. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a craft where you really have to have a lot of dedication and fortitude And the biggest thing uh, we were talking about, maybe giving advice to people who want to write, the biggest thing, man, is just putting your butt in the chair and doing it. I think that's where a lot of people uh, fall short. 
is uh, they say, oh, I want to write, but I'm too busy or I've got this or that. And they come up with excuses. And I do that all the time, too. I definitely need to write more and put my butt in the chair and write more. Uh, but that's the biggest thing I can tell anybody is just do it. You know, you're never going to get anywhere if you don't do it. Yeah. You don't at least try. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think that's that's uh, pretty true across the board for, mm-hmm. for anything. You, for really anything. You yeah. want to be good at, but especially in the arts. Yeah. You know, you just got to... You know, I've always, I've always had this like, uh, I want to, I want to draw and then I'll draw for, you know, like a month and then I stop and then I'm like, uh, I wish I was a better artist, you know, but then I don't do it, you know? So right. it, it is, um, that, uh, sticking to something and having the, the, the constitution to just keep plugging away. Even yeah. On, and and even sticking on with it. Days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so with this though, was a kind of a, over a course of time where you just like you just wrote some stuff down here and there or yeah. Um, so this one is more of you put your butt in the chair and yeah, actually uh, the first book was definitely the longest process, the hardest one. Uh, And again, it goes back to being a kid and just not having the skills and the experience uh, to write it well enough. So it took a long time and a lot of editing and going back and re-editing and re-editing and re-editing uh, again and again. I, I mean, I must've read the, that book uh, a thousand times or more. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, the first one definitely took the longest. Uh, second one, uh, was a bit more, uh, uh, had a flow a lot better. So I was able to do a little bit more, uh, kind of wrote those two a little bit simultaneously. Uh, but that third one, uh, one, once I really started getting going on it, I wrote it in about a year and a half. Okay. Uh, so that one, uh, was definitely the, the smoothest process. Yeah, so let's say a year and a half, six hundred pages. So you're looking at just about a page a day, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And see, when you when you say it like that to someone who's never written before and are trying to write, mm-hmm. that seems like that seems daunting to me. I'm like, what you mean a page a day? Like that's all I'm gonna do? You yeah. Know? But and it's it's it doesn't sound like a lot to some people. Uh, to other people, it might sound like a lot. Uh, I'm in some author groups. Uh, there's some people on there. They'll write a fifty thousand page book and a a month or less. I mean, those, some of those people can just really, uh, grind out just the words. Out. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I don't know how you do it. And it also depends on the, the genre too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. certain things like fantasies, uh, sci-fi is those heftier, uh, kind of, uh, books and concepts. Uh, they're definitely going to take a little bit more work than, uh, some easier pulp fictions kind of yeah. styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, uh, I would definitely agree with you on, um, the sci-fi side. Because it's like you've got to know something about science, and you mm-hmm. have to do a lot of research on science. And it's like reading uh, old Asimov or uh, Robert Heinlein; those guys were just like, I mean, they wrote that stuff in the the forties, fifties, and mm-hmm. you read it now, and you're like, wait, we just did this in real life, exactly. And they were, you know, so yeah. long ago. So it's crazy. I've but. always wanted to do sci-fi, but uh, stay away from that. I don't think the 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 math and the science is going to be there for me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, never I mean, in my strong suit. It's rough, but the the thing about fantasy though is is uh, is captivating people with just a truly original kind of. You know, you don't ha- you don't have to worry about the the physics of the world. You don't have to. It's just like. But you have to be creative enough for people to say, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's how that works, you know? Yeah, and there's a surprising amount of research that goes into writing. Uh, you really need to try, even though it's fantasy, uh, you really need to have some realistic elements. You need to make sure yeah. it is grounded uh, because a lot of times uh, you can lose people over the silliest things. Um, 
not to give you any kind of examples, but, you know, say you're, you have a, a character who needs to ride a horse and they need to go a certain X uh, distance and you don't uh, know how to ride the horse. You don't know how to properly uh, space, uh, spread the horse out speed wise, mm -hmm. uh, gallops and canters. Uh, you don't know the name of the equipment and you just call it something else. People are going to know what a saddle is. And if you don't know what a saddle is and you name it wrong, things like that, yeah. uh, you definitely need to make sure you uh, do enough research to at least look like you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, if you, you know, like, oh, uh, so-and-so got in the saddle and then pulled two more people into the saddle. It's like, you're saying there's three people in that saddle? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know? uh -huh. Yeah, no. So it, there's definitely a lot of elements there, too. And, it, you know, making things... Um, realistic inside of the fantasy uh you know kind of world like um I, I guess like physical damage if you're stabbing someone or slicing someone or bludgeoning someone haven't been able to describe how that you know it's mm -hmm. like so you know that, that's one of those instances where your research could get you in trouble with the fbi or something exactly you know? <laughs> exactly that's the joke in the writer community is like i swear i'm just a writer you know uh, watch out fbi it's not not, yeah, yeah. not doing anything bad i promise uh, but I am looking up stab wounds and how to clean out blood. But don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do I, um, what is the blood splatter pattern of uh, exactly. this bludgeon attack? And how do I keep that from being, mm -hmm. you know, discovered or whatever? Because believe it or not, it's right. If you want to describe that, you got to know how that interacts yeah. with the environment. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, um, I always, I don't know. You know, I like I like all kinds of writing. I like the, the stuff that's, you know, a little more abstract. And then also like, um, the stuff that's really in depth, you know, it's really descriptive and everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I like it all, man. I like books, yeah. you know, but so this, the, the last one in the series, the shadow of war 2018. Mm -hmm. See, I didn't expect that. I expected these to be a little bit older oh, um, yeah. because I thought this one would be, when, when did you finish this one? This is Bane's song. This is its own standalone. And yep. when, when did you write this one? Uh, last year is when I published that one wow. last April. Um, so it's almost been a year already. Wow. Uh, but yeah, that one's a standalone, uh, low fantasy, uh, completely different settings and characters and everything. No correlation to the others. Uh, just a, its own standalone. Uh, had a great idea for a character, the main character, Adara. And I just really wanted to tell her story. But I didn't have a story in place, so I just kind of had to make one up as I went. Uh, that one I very much kind of uh, went the whole pantser uh, style, if you're familiar with that. <laughs> no, what is that? Uh, yeah, uh, pantser is like where they... It's a term where you uh, write by the seat of your pants. Okay. Uh, you don't know where things are going, and you just kind of make it up along as you go, uh, and eventually you get to where you need to go. Um, okay. So that one's very much just kind of uh, playing it by ear, planting the seeds, and seeing where things uh, uh, took me. Um, obviously, you know, towards the end, I uh, knew what I wanted to do, uh, but it was just getting to a certain point where I had the world in place and characters in place. And once you have solid characters, they you know how they're going to react to things. You know what they're going to do. So once you have good characters, you can really write the story uh, from that perspective. You don't necessarily need to write your own story because if you're doing a good job as a writer, the characters are doing the work for you. Yeah, yeah. Because their their behaviors are, are kind of well-defined. Like, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. how you, you bring up a situation and then you say, this is how this person would react to that. Exactly. And, so you and then you go flip. from there. Yeah. And it makes for a much more proactive uh, book. Uh, you don't want to be a reactive writer. You don't want your characters reacting to the environment and to the plot. Uh, if you you really want to have your characters be engaged with the story and the plot and drive that forward uh, through the characters themselves. That's why Game of Thrones, uh, one reason the Song of Ice and Fire is so famous and well done is because 
uh, George R. R. Martin does such a good job with the characters and uh, their uh, formulation of the of the plot. The whole plot is all about the characters and what they're doing, not anything that the plot's doing, and then the characters have to react to that. Yeah, yeah, and I was I was going to bring up uh, Martin about the the dragons. Mm-hmm. So that that's one of those instances where I guess like kind of old school fantasy dragons they just like magically made fire right you know yeah whereas his there's like there's a mechanism there you know mm-hmm. so that's something you could kind of like research think about so it's another reason um why this stuff is so hard <laughs> one of the many reasons yeah i mean i honestly man I, so you know this podcast is it's uh the, the the purpose is the is the artist right and i'll have um many different People from musicians, poets, photographers, you know, movie makers, what documentarians. Um, but for one, it's it seems the hardest to find writers um, because it's just so difficult. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> and, and it's like the I've had songwriters. Uh, the, the last episode I had was a songwriter named Dustin Brown. And, and yeah, I saw that one. And mm-hmm. he's a really good writer, songwriter. Mm-hmm. And and there is an art to that. It is, you know, like... I could never do that. Yeah. So I but, respect but, those people. Yeah, yeah. see, it's, it's one of those things where, like, to some people, it's like, oh, this one's a better writer than this one. But it's, like, it, it's very different, you know? Yeah, it's everybody's like, got their own styles. Yeah, I mean, could you, like, could you write, uh, like, Walt Whitman-style poetry or, you know... No, probably wouldn't want to. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just completely different, yeah. you know? And, and, yeah, everybody's got their styles. And everybody looks for different styles. My my prose, my, my writing voice is not something that's going to be super flowery and and explorative, you know, uh, explorative and and uh, just heavy filled poetry. It's it's uh, getting to the point. It's um, it's trying to be smooth and uh, concise. Yeah. Uh, so in some similarities, if you've ever read Brandon Sanderson, I would say that's kind of a similar voice in a way. Uh, he's he's much more natural and concise and uh, easy to digest. Uh, than some other writers say, like uh, uh, Stephen Erickson with the uh, uh, Malazan, uh, Book of the Malazan, Book of the Fallen. Uh, books like that are much more uh, <laughs> heavy and, and grandiose in their, their writing. Uh, so everybody's got their, their voice, and it's just you got to find that, that voice that works for you. Okay. What, if there was something to I, – I hate this like um, comparison game, but if there was, if there was any – like fantasy series, fantasy novel, anything that you would compare your writing to closely, you know, the what's the closest you could think of? Yeah, I, I hate to compare uh, because, you know, I don't want to say I'm like this person who's sold millions of books, you know, yeah. and, and obviously I haven't sold anywhere close to that much. Uh, you know, those kind of writers are definitely in a whole nother level. Um, but to kind of give you examples, I guess, like I mentioned with Sanderson, uh, Brandon Sanderson, I feel like my prose is similar in a way to his, uh, where it's it's very concise and easy to to, to uh, digest. Um, so I would say, you know, maybe a similar vein to that, um, kind of like his um, his Mistborn, Stormlight Archives uh, kind of books, where it's uh, very character focused. Uh, so I'd say probably a similar vein. Um, the the trilogy, especially the Atonement trilogy, is uh, more military focused. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of military elements. Uh, I haven't really read a lot of military uh, fantasy, so I couldn't really compare too much with that. Um, but I would say um, it's very focused on, especially the second and third books, uh, much more focused on tactics and military movements and uh, battles and and how to uh, 
maneuver around your opponents. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I feel like, see, I don't know a lot of these uh, these writers and a lot of the, the fantasy genre, but I it's one of those things, man. I, I'm telling you, if my brother was sitting right here behind me, <laughs> he would just be like, "You'd be nerding yeah, out." Yep. 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 <laughs> read that one. Read that one. Read that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's all about that. I've um, the last couple of Christmases I've bought him. Uh, um, what in like the Witcher series? He yeah. just like he likes all of that. Yeah, know, those are those are great. Everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I know for a long time he was reading like Terry Good kind of thing. It was like enormous. Mm-hmm. Are those the ones that are the the giant books? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I remember watching him read those and like, oh my god, how do you do that? You know. Well, I I read uh, the Wheel of Time. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. But Robin Robert Jordan mm-hmm. uh, Wheel of Time. Uh, it was uh, 14 books was the main series for that and it came out to i believe uh somebody can probably quote me if i'm wrong uh but about 4.5 million words was the main series um and i read them back to back uh and it took me about six or seven months of reading every day you know like lunch dinner evening at work uh, you know you name it so those are very big books i mean that the lineup of books just would go from one shelf to the other here yeah yeah, that's intense, man. I, I don't. I, <laughs> I love I'm, those. I'm too um, too ADD to like stick to a series that long. Like I see those, and I'm like, I, I can't do it. It's too many, you know. Um, <laughs> they can be daunting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and you know, I, I think when I was younger, uh, I, I could have. I felt like I had more time to read, but now mm-hmm. because I, I have to be more selective, and yeah. I have like, I have a problem where I I buy books way faster than I can read them, and so. I, I would say probably like, I mean, maybe a half of this shelf, these two shelves, I haven't read yet. I just, <laughs> they're there. So like when I, when I get in the mood, I can just go over there. It's like a, my own little library, you know? Yeah. Well, buying <laughs> books is definitely a separate art from reading. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of book buyers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, you know, I have some like prized possessions, you know, that, um, like my, uh, this is a, uh, First edition, second printing of Dune, hmm. which uh, I got it in the state sale for uh, three dollars, and it's nice. valued at about six hundred. So that's a pretty good ROI. I just like to, <laughs> yeah, but I'll never sell it. Exactly. You know? It's just one of those things where if I am, um, I, I don't know, I, I've been thinking about putting it on a pedestal, you know, just so I can show off my books. But then people come in and I'm like, hey, look at my books, and they're like, all right, <laughs> yeah, put it on a little spinner, yeah, and put yeah. a light over yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> if it was a true first edition, first printing. I would sell sure. it so fast because yep. it's like 20 grand, you mm. know, but uh, it's crazy the difference there between printings, you know, Oh yeah, how that, how that works. But, um, so yeah, man, this is a, uh, it's a lot of words right here <laughs> and, um, is there anything, so this right here, you said it was more like, um, war based, like military kind of. And this is more, yeah. Said like low fantasy. Yeah, it's low fantasy. It's focused. It's a much tighter story focused on just a, a two characters, two or three characters. Um, it's really about a, a woman uh, on the run from the king and her and his governors as they're trying to uh, cover up their crime against her family. Uh, so it's kind of revenge, um, but more focused on just survival and. Uh, kind of the concepts of a similar uh, vein as the others, kind of the concepts of, uh, you know, finding finding your purpose when you've lived your whole life out of revenge or uh, some false sense of justice. And 
uh, trying to find love and, and uh, your own purpose. Uh, so that one's really more, uh, much more uh, character focused on just a few uh, characters and, and really driven in that way. Okay. It's a lot of vengeance going on. There is, yeah. This seems to be a theme. Uh, my next ones are not going to be anything like that. <laughs> is, um, yeah. Is there anything? Speaking of vengeance, is is there anything personal going on in these books? Like, is there anything that you injected from your, you know, personal experience? Things have happened to you. Maybe some some high times, some low times. Yeah, you know, I think every writer always injects a part of themselves into their craft and what they do. I think that's going to be natural for any art, really. Um, any art is going to express the the person making it. Uh, so I think there's going to be some elements of myself in there. I couldn't really pinpoint to any specific thing that I wrote that I was like, yeah, that definitely comes from that point in my life. Um, but there's definitely some elements in there where I've kind of drawn from experience or drawn from uh, other people's experiences. Uh, I've never personally lost as much as my characters have i've never experienced the grief and the struggles that they have so in some ways i can't um you know i can't correlate with them on that level um but uh, i've definitely injected parts of myself in there um to kind of go along that same same question as i had a book signing a few years ago a gentleman came up to me bought my books but he asked me you know, you're pretty young. Uh, how how are you actually able to write about revenge and war and all this if you can't experience it, if you've never experienced anything like that? Yeah. And uh, I don't remember my exact words to him, but it, it came along a similar line of uh, every writer's not going to be able to experience everything in the world. Nobody's ever experienced everything like that. Um, and and uh, people like Tolkien, for instance, he's never experienced dwarves or elves or trolls or anything like that, but he was able to write them. I think that's uh, what's called imagination, and uh, using your imagination to write a book is uh, is uh, going to be probably what what uh, we would need to do. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. again, not everybody's going to experience everything. A certain level of imagination is required. Yeah. Well, Tolkien is. Uh and that's that's another level because there's a lot of uh, war in there from mm. his experience. He definitely experienced that and, stuff and that kind of stuff and uh, and the the dogma, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the the sort of Christian underlying themes of a lot of the the stuff there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mo- way more subtle than uh, C.S. Lewis. Exactly, C.S. Lewis Chronicles of like, Narnia. Just kind of dip the nose. Yeah, yeah it's very very like, much so. Yeah. yeah, but it's I mean it's. He w- without him just directly saying it, it's as close as you can get. But yeah. Tolkien is is much more subtle about a lot of the themes. You know, yeah, they definitely definitely those writers injected a lot of their uh, experiences into those yeah uh, books for sure. Yeah, but for for me for for fantasy, I, I don't I don't expect uh, the author to have that experience. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm reading like uh, Ernest Hemingway or Jack Kerouac, yeah, I'm reading about their experiences exactly. You know? But for for fantasy so much it's it's different you know and i guess there is some fantasy where it is it is you know like an exact interpretation of their life just Mm -hmm. you know fantastical um kind of level but uh i think it's just if you have the imagination then fucking do it you know exactly i want to read like if 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 i read the back of the book and i'm like yeah that sounds pretty cool then i'm gonna pick it up you know Mm -hmm. i don't really care what your experience or anything is yeah yeah i think for some people it matters but Maybe. Yeah. I don't, I've never picked up a book and, and thought, well, that's cool, but I'm going to have to look up the author and their backstory and their history to see if I want to read it or not. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
very kind of uh, looking at the books is you always you say you say never judge a book by its cover, but man, I always do. Uh, oh, yeah, I love pretty sure. book covers. I love good book art, and uh, opening up the book is really to me important to have a well produced book. Um, everything that you want to see in a traditionally published book should be there regardless if, if it's traditionally published or self-published. Uh, there's a certain expectation of quality. Uh, so when I pick up a book on a bookshelf, I'm always looking at, you know, good artwork. That's always the, the biggest one for me. So I'm a sucker for good cover art. And I'll buy a book alone on that. So Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, if, if I'm looking at different editions of a book, too, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll buy the one that looks the, the coolest. Exactly, you know? yeah. So, um, are, so are these all self self published? They are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 To get traditionally published, you uh you have to be pretty much next level. You've got to be uh, uh sell tens of thousands of books or more, and and really have a, a name for yourself. And uh, with the online market today, it's so easy to to self publish instead of having to go through the route of mm -hmm. uh, traditional uh, publishers. And a lot of people end up being a lot more successful um, self publishing that way. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, you know, especially it, it is very much like a, a DIY atmosphere now with, yeah. you know, the robustness of the internet and mm -hmm. the sales channels you can use and everything. There, There's definitely, uh, with the DIY nature of self-publishing, though, there's definitely a lot of uh, weeds that you got to work through because um, anyone can, can write a book and publish it and say they wrote a book and there's a certain level of quality that should be expected and it's just not met. And uh, some of these books, not to not to downplay the the author or their abilities, but um, sometimes there's uh, there's not a lot of quality sometimes. Um, and I will be the first to admit, uh, like I was mentioning earlier, uh, the first edition of my first book uh, would fit that same uh, vein. It, you know, just the quality wasn't there, and I should have known better. Um, I just didn't have anybody to tell me otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be the first to admit, mine was not uh, of quality that should have been published. Uh, that's why I had to uh, change cover art and kind of do some editing and get serious about it and uh, kind of reevaluate it and redo it from there. And that's the power of a mentor, right? You were saying you didn't mm -hmm. you didn't have a mentor, so yep. you just kind of had to stumble upon this stuff on your own. Yeah, like I mentioned, it, hard. It, it was hard. You know, I learned everything the hard way. There was not a single easy moment in the whole process. I thought about giving up. Uh, pretty much every day. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I still do. Yeah. Uh, it's not something, it, art is not easy. And uh, you have, a, there's a lot of self doubt that comes with art and putting yourself out there. Uh, so it was definitely a struggle in, in a lot of aspects. Um, but I learned a tremendous amount. Uh, and that's why I feel like as the books continue to go and as I keep uh, progressing and maturing as a writer, uh, I feel like the quality is just going to keep getting better and better. Yeah. You're so hoping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now you have a process. Yeah. So that's, that's a, a time sink. You don't have to worry about anymore mm -hmm. as much. You can just, you know, focus on writing and mm -hmm. have you, um, have you submitted to publishers? Uh, no. Um, I did a few back when I was kind of publishing the first book and kind of redoing some edits. Um, I submitted, I did some query letters. Uh, that's a whole nother art <laughs> query letters. They're very subjective. Uh, it depends on, and agents get uh, hundreds, if not thousands of letters uh, yeah. every month uh, that they have to sift through. So you really have to stand out from the crowd. And uh, going back to what I said earlier is you really have to have a, a name for yourself in a lot of aspects, uh, unless it's a really banger uh, book idea that just really jives with that one particular agent. But generally speaking, you're going to have to have uh, thousands of sales under your belt before any agent will look at you seriously. 
Um, and even if you do get traditionally published, there's no guarantee of success. Yeah. Most of the time, you know, a tra- traditionally published uh, author might make 10% off of all the book sales. Um, so, you know, you make a few million book sales, 10% is not bad, but realistically, uh, most traditionally published fantasy books are probably going to sell a few thousand. Yeah. Uh, if that. So even getting to that point is no guarantee for success either. Yeah. I, I um, I, I hear so many stories, um, uh, just reading about different authors, uh, long past and you'll, you'll hear like some of the, the personal tales there, how they, um, they wrote all these books, had no success. They died and then they blew up. Yeah. That and would be that, very unfortunate. Dude, that shit makes me so sad. Yeah. Like I just think about, man, I, I just, it makes me feel bad for them that they like tried so hard and then they die. And then someone's like, Hey, check this out. You know? that, that's the joke I tell myself uh, and my, and my friends, we joke about that is like, Oh yeah, I'm sure you'll blow up whenever you die. <laughs> A little morbid humor, but yeah. Well, hey, I, you know, you should submit to to a publisher and you got to go ab- above and beyond. Right. So have some like have some package that has like blood packets in it and they, yeah. they explode when you open it. And then it's like revenge and then some crazy shit like that. I you think know? that's a good idea. And then the agent, you know, they have to go get a new suit cause it's ruined, mm-hmm. but they'll remember you. They will remember me. <laughs> <laughs> Might put out a restraining order, but they would remember me. Yeah. Or it'll go viral. You know, that's true. Yeah. They'll, they'll um, they'll get on TikTok and be like, Look at this asshole just did to me, and then boom, you're selling yeah. thousands and thousands of books. I think you're onto something here. <laughs> we just do it like throwing a glitter bomb too, like red glitter, mm-hmm. so it's like fake blood and red glitter just exploding all <laughs> over the place. It just ruins their entire office. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Write that down. <laughs> we'll remember that later. Um, yeah. So, uh, what do you have going now? Uh, yeah, you, you write so, something real juicy. Yeah, pretty pretty juicy. Six hundred um, pages worth, or uh, maybe more. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, I I've had this idea brewing for a little bit of uh, uh, this this book series I'm working on now. It's going to be an epic high fantasy. Um, those other books, I never really went high fantasy. Um, and if you're familiar with that concept or not, high fantasy is going to be like the the, the fantasy. When you think of fantasy, it's like all the, the crazy aspects of fantasy that you can come up with. Uh, low fantasy is going to be much more grounded and down to earth, realistic, yeah. like things that could happen in real life kind of thing. Um, so I've never really written a high fantasy and I always wanted to go that route. And uh, I've got some really, uh, really cool concepts that I'm working with right now that I'm really excited about. Uh, they're stuff I've never uh, seen anywhere or heard of anywhere, really. Um, so I think it's going to have some unique stuff going on with it. Um, I'm about, uh, about, a 70, uh, 70 or 80,000 words into, uh, the first book, uh, so far. Uh, so maybe about halfway, uh, maybe a little less. Um, and it's going to be probably about four or five books. So it'll be the, definitely the biggest, uh, biggest books and biggest series so far. Wow. That's a lot. It's a lot, uh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I love high fantasy. I played uh, EverQuest in high school. Yes, EverQuest was my jam. <laughs> yeah. I loved EverQuest. I played. So, I got bad grades in high school because of EverQuest. I might oh. have. Uh, don't. I hope my parents aren't listening to this, but that's what a lot of my grades were the result of. Oh no, my mom knows one hundred percent why. Yeah, you know? 
Oh yeah, hanging out at a friend's house, playing all night, EverQuest, going on raids, and yeah. Oh yeah, you know how many those times are the nights. it's like, hey, I need to use the phone. I'm like, I'm in a raid, mom. The best part is uh, <laughs> me and my friend, we got his dad into the game so just so we could get a healer. Yeah. Uh, so then we could run uh, raids, just us three in the middle of the night. So the dad was also contributing to uh, our bad grades. So, you know, not just my fault. Yeah, I mean, pretty similar experience here. I had a um, a good friend who, who who's, he's the one who got me into EverQuest, and his dad played, and they had a computer room where they played next to each other and everything, nice. and they got me into it. So I, when I would, like, go stay the night over there, I'd, I'd wake up before everyone else and go get on the computer and uh-huh. log into EverQuest, and those were good times, but um, I I spent too many hours doing that instead of other uh, productive things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely definitely hard to when you're a gamer it's it's real easy to just kind of go down that route and uh, sink a little too hard into it. Sometimes to pull back and say, "Okay, I need to spend this time put my butt in the seat like I mentioned earlier and uh, just do it and then I can go back to gaming." Yeah. Um yeah, it's Yeah. You lose time so easily. So easily. You know, and and I don't have the time to lose anymore, you know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the clock is going faster now, and I have it to keeps like going faster. I have to do more things. I have to be more productive. Mm-hmm. I gotta, you know, I gotta make a legacy, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I can't do that with EverQuest. You gotta like do this podcast and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, I've I've always loved high fantasy and and that kind of stuff. So this this one really is, uh, you know, I'm excited for. Uh, this one has the most characters of any book I've done so far, um, especially POV characters. A uh, lot of uh, point of view characters that I'm working with here. I think I've got like uh, eight or so uh, okay. that I'm working with on this series. Uh, the previous ones, uh, towards the end of the uh, third book, had like four or five. Uh, so a few more POVs to deal with, a few more characters, a few more plot points, and uh, all that good stuff. For for that type of thing, do you do you just keep that all in your head, or do you do you keep track of that on like? word documents or do you write it down somewhere like do you like with uh, marketing mm-hmm. uh marketers make a buying persona and that's how they make an example of the person they want to buy their product do you make little personas of all your characters <laughs> um it's a little bit um you know it's funny you mentioned that uh i was i was mentioning that i was uh, very much a pantser kind of writer you know by the seat of my pants just kind of making things up as i went along um i did that for uh, the past four books, uh, but this one, when I got into it, uh, before I got writing, I, I knew I was going to have to outline. I've never really dealt with an outline before, um, but I knew I was going to have to have an outline. I had so many characters, so many ideas, such a grandiose concept. Uh, there was no way I was going to be able to just kind of make it up as it went along. So I really needed to have an outline. Uh, so I've got a, a document full of notes, uh, got some uh, plot points, and got uh, all this and that, uh, and I have all these character um Kind of profiles, like you mentioned, where I've uh, got their background, their history, their relatives and connections and their desires and, and plot points and uh, their motivations, uh, things like that. So uh, definitely outlined for the first time in my life. And uh, I've, I've found it to be very helpful. So I might continue to do that. Uh, but that notes document ended up being so far as 10,000 words. Uh, which is just for just with like character personas, uh, just just or my just general notes, outline for, like uh, the world you're building in, and the, and these are rough outlines. Okay, so just rough outlines and like ideas and, and characters and everything. So it's about ten thousand words for that, and that comes out to like roughly fifty pages or so of just notes. So uh, that's uh, so far just for the first book. So at the end of the day, I might have over you know hundred two hundred pages of just notes. 
It's a lot of notes. It's a lot of notes. I, I get lost when I when I use like three different moleskins for notes. And then I'm like, <laughs> where, where did I put it? I don't know where my notes are. I got let me look at this moleskin. Yeah, you need like an outline for your outline. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> how do I how do I break this down even more? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's um so do you use um what what software do you use? Uh, I use Word. Okay. Um, there's plenty of other softwares out there, uh, so I encourage anybody who's a writer or wants to write to uh, look into those other softwares. Uh, for me, they were pretty expensive for what they did, uh, and Word just did everything I needed it to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, I use it for my business and other uh, aspects, uh, the off suite. Uh, so Word just being a part of it just felt natural. So I've just always used Word. Yeah. Um, I know other authors, they use, uh, some people use notepad. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, whatever works for you, man. <laughs> That's, um, that seems like torture to me. Mm-hmm. I think, is. don't quote me on this, uh, but I think George R. R. Martin also uses just like a notepad. Uh, he uses a PC that is offline. Uh, one reason he does that is because he doesn't want anybody potentially hacking in and getting his notes and his books, uh, which is a pretty good idea. Yeah. Uh, but he uses an old, like, you know, gateway or something uh, offline and like a notepad. And he just wrote all of A Song of Ice and Fire on that. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's something else. Yeah, I like, um, you know, Word is, is powerful. You know, you can do all, all sorts of things with that. You can format the however you want it and do your outline and all that stuff. So that makes sense. I know there's like... Um, I don't know, like Scriven, Scrivener, Scriven- yeah, uh, Scrivener, um, and then uh, there's a few others. Highland Two is um, it's only for Mac. I have it on my Mac. It's um, it was built for screenplays. Okay. Um, it's the guy. I don't remember his name now. He wrote that movie with. I'm not gonna get it, so I'm not even gonna spend any time on it. <laughs> uh, it was a Ewan McGregor movie. Big. Big Fish. Big Fish. Yeah. So the guy who wrote that movie built the software okay. for screenwriting. And uh, it's free, but it's only on Mac. Okay. So, huh. uh, But it also, it, he, he built it originally for screenwriting, but he's he's added, now it has like just other types of writing you can do on it. You can, you know, write novels or things like that. On hmm. it. It's pretty cool. I mean, the way that it formats and everything, he's sharp dude yeah and there's also uh, editing softwares out there uh, so a lot of people can get these editing softwares pay for them and you can run your writing through it and it uh, supposed to uh, edit for you I don't know how accurate those are I've never used them personally uh, I found just paying an editor uh, works better if your writing is pretty clean uh, then you can send it through an editor um, and they'll just clean up a little bit better and then you go on your way you don't have to worry about running it through a software of 20 times yeah because uh, software can still be inaccurate uh, especially uh, just general uh, writing softwares like Word, it's not going to pick up on everything. It's yeah. not. It's going to make mistakes. It's going to think you're trying to write this other thing when you're really not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it'll also suggest for you to change a certain word because it might be offensive or something. Uh, and sometimes it's like, no, I wanted to use that word for whatever reason. And so you know, sometimes you just got to have to <laughs> fight so, with it a little bit. So how offensive are your books? Uh, well, you know, they're not <laughs> offensive, believe it or not. Okay. Um, there's. There's some um, there's violence uh, as would be expected with a, a, a medieval fantasies and war and, and things like that. So there's going to be some level of violence. Okay. Uh, I had an old lady, uh, bless her heart, sweet lady. She came up to me one time and said, "I just can't read your book. I gave it a shot, but I just couldn't get through the first 
10 pages because it's so violent. I'm like, well, I tried to tell you that before you bought it. Um, so, you know, obviously they're not going to be for everybody. Yeah. Um, maybe don't buy these for your grandmas. Okay. Um, but, you know, for your, like your brother, your son or something, probably okay. Okay. Uh, but offensive, you know, there's not really anything offensive there. Um, the the main character of uh, Bainsong, uh, Adara, she's uh, hasn't had a lot of societal interactions. She's kind of lived in the wilderness a lot of her life and doesn't have a lot of uh, people experience. So... She can come off as very abrasive. Yeah. And uh, her POV is is one reason I was very excited about writing that book is her POV was so naturally sarcastic and dry humor. And uh, for anyone who knows me, I uh, that's kind of my style <laughs> is dry humor and sarcasm. Uh, so we fit very well in that vein. It was it was just a lot of fun to throw out your natural humor into a character and just have just go buck wild with it. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's cool, man. I'm, I think uh, I will actually. I think I'll read that one first. Yeah. Honestly, um, be good. It's a standalone. So. Yeah. Uh, before I make the commitment <laughs> to <laughs> uh, dive into those. Yeah, believe it or not, a lot of people. Uh, I did a book signing not too long ago, and uh, a lot of people uh, went with that one naturally. Uh, it was because it was a standalone, and uh, it it was uh, a lot uh, more digest digestible to just buy one book. And if you don't like it, no worries. Um, but man, just about everybody that ended up buying it came back the next day and bought the whole other trilogy. I mean, I sold so many books for the other trilogy, um, just from selling that one standalone. So that's awesome. How, how often do you do, uh, like signings and things like that? Uh, well, not very often, unfortunately. Um, COVID really took a damper yeah. on that stuff. Um, I was signed up for the, uh, Waco comic-con convention, uh, here in town. Um, it's, I did that one for a couple of years, uh, back when it was much smaller, uh, they were going to have one. I signed up for it early, and uh, then COVID hit, and they were postponed, and then they postponed it uh, again the next year, and then they almost postponed it for the third year, but they decided to stick with it. Uh, so I hadn't done one in years uh, until this last uh, last year. I uh, did one or two book signings then. Um, but, yeah, before that, probably did about one a year. Okay. Uh, so not really anything that I uh, have stuck with too heavily. Yeah. Um, but I, I do enjoy them very much, uh, going to those conventions and meeting people and, and just having fun and getting to see all the costumed people and, and building connections and, and selling your books and just the, the expressions on people's faces when they come back the next day or uh, they'll read the book, you know, go around uh, some of the, bin, the booths and then come right back to you like an hour later. And the look on their face when they've read the book, read some of it and just like are so enthusiastic and excited about it and just really uh, gripped by the writing. Uh, just it's such a, a fun, humbling experience to just see their smiles. And that's that's a big reason I do it is just to put enjoyment out there in the world and hope people find some some measure of uh, entertainment from it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, have you taken your books to like Fabled in Waco? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, I have my books uh, at Fabled. Okay, because um, I know they. I I saw that they uh, they have local uh, writers up there and stuff. Yeah, they actually did that uh, last last February. Uh, they did a local author uh, meet and greet kind of thing, uh, so that was a lot of fun. Shout out to the local bookstore here, Fable. If you haven't been there, definitely recommend going. It's a really fun, uh, fun store. Great coffee bar, uh, good atmosphere. Um, they have um, great people. Yeah, they have uh, the wardrobe. 
yeah, for kids yeah, can the, walk through to go into yeah. to Narnia. So. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, they uh, they did that local uh, event there and uh, got to meet a lot of people and and meet some other local authors, which was really cool. Hadn't really uh, the the Waco writers community is is pretty small, uh, as would most most places going to be pretty small. And uh, there's no real connections here. Uh, there's no real community that I'm, I'm aware of. Uh, so it was nice to kind of uh, meet some others. Um, and they, they bought some of my books, so they've, uh, had them in, in, uh, uh, purchase there. Um, so yeah, I did have them in, uh, Books a Million, if you remember that. Yeah, uh, I do. Yeah. You know, they've been, been out of business, unfortunately, for a few years. Uh, but that was a great bookstore. Uh, so I had my books there. Uh, never was able to get it in anywhere else, uh, locally. Uh, but I did have it, um, at Hastings here, back when Hastings was around. And I had it at some other Hastings, uh, located throughout the state. Uh, actually, so I had had my books kind of spread out throughout the state uh, in some capacity, and then Hastings went out of business. Uh, so I don't know what happened to all those books. <laughs> Probably liquidated them, sold them to Goodwill or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who knows, man? I worked at Hastings back in the day. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what uh, like what year did you have these the first two at Hastings? Oh man, uh, it's been it's been a while. <laughs> Uh, back when Hastings was around, so, so I want to say, uh, I was in high school a little bit after, so I'd probably say about 2011 to 2013 time okay. frame, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't there anymore. I worked there before then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Hastings is great, man. Mm-hmm. We miss it all the time. Miss it all the time. Yeah. It's, yep. uh, it's unfortunate that they had to have such awful leadership mm-hmm. for that company, but, um, you know, that's that's how it goes, man. Uh, some companies, they don't look to the future and they die off. They so. don't. Uh, it is it is sad. Um, it's nice to have bookstores and options. Uh, Waco, uh, where we're at, doesn't have a lot of uh, stuff like that. So it's really nice to see Fable, the local bookstore, uh, come into the play because uh, there just wasn't anything else. Uh, you had uh, Barnes & Noble is still around. Uh, but other than that, you've got... Uh, about two used bookstores that Goldens, I'm aware of. Goldens. Brazos. Yeah, and Brazos. Um, other than that, you got nothing. Yeah. So it's nice to have a, a bookstore. Yeah, Fable's great. Uh, I try to... Uh, anytime I'm downtown, I go there, basically. Yeah, I mean, me too. And it's one of those things where like every time I'm I'm there, I buy something. And it's <laughs> like, I'm I, I, I'm at capacity here. You know what I mean? Yep. I have too Even many books, bookshelf. but I just... You know, I keep buying. Like the last time, I, I bought that copy of uh, Silmarillion. Oh yeah, and I'm like, I'm only on two towers reading to my son, but and I probably won't read him Silmarillion because that's probably like way too dry for him, you know. <laughs> um, but I would tell you, I'll tell you one thing: um, if you if you or anyone out there has kids, young kids, and you want to read them a book, if you read them Lord of the Rings, if you want, if there's like an area you want them to go to sleep for sure, read them any chapter. That has Elrond talking. Yeah. And he will put you right to sleep. The the council meeting, uh, what is it, like 70-something pages? And it's just, man, that, that one took me a long time to get through as a kid. And it's just Elrond, droning <laughs> on. Just dry. <laughs> droning on. Yep. But yeah, it's um, I probably won't read him that, but um, I still got it. Because I was like, well, I'm kind of in, I'm on this Tolkien kick. And then uh, this is actually... Read some fantasy history. This is a... Uh, sort of a local guy. Um, his brother lives here. Um, I, I worked with him at La Vega, but 
his uh, Austin. He, I think he lives in Houston, maybe. Okay. But I got this from him, uh, cool. and this is Token Dogmatics. Oh. Which is what I was talking about with uh, his uh, Tolkien's kind of uh, idea of religion, kind of sprinkled throughout uh, the trilogy. But yeah, I mean, uh, it could be the end of the year before I get to that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I just I buy books. You know. Yeah. So it's what it's my hobby now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, going back to your question on uh, interjecting, injecting a piece of yourself uh, into the books, um, I I found um, the concept of uh, the Atonement Trilogy was loosely, loosely inspired off of uh, the Old Testament and uh, Old Testament God. And I wanted to entertain the idea of what if all of humanity forgot about their God? What if nobody knew anything like that existed. And even though that concept is always going to be there throughout all of humanity, uh, that particular deity, um, people just kind of forgot about. And what would happen if the God was real and he uh, didn't appreciate that and uh, had, and there's, so I entertained kind of a lot of the ideas uh, from the Old Testament and kind of how uh, a little bit about vengeance and then the atonement after. There was always atonement and always finding peace after those uh, struggles and strifes. Uh, so that's one reason the book has the, that trilogy name is finding that atonement uh, after um, the the consequences have been paid of the cruel god, of the cruel god <laughs> in, in some aspects, you know. And, and I think every god is going to be uh, maybe a, a fantasy gods at least might be a little uh, cruel in some aspects. I'm going to be honest, though, man. I don't know anyone who could say that the Old Testament God is not cruel. I mean, that's <laughs> There's definitely some uh, some moments. Hey, new 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 yeah. Testament. We had we get we get some atonement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's an entertaining read. If you, go read it, it's entertaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some some wild stuff in wild there. Wild stuff. You know, like yeah. uh, like uh, I don't I don't remember the, the a lot of the the names of people from the Old Testament, but that the story of uh, those kids that were making fun of the one dude, and he was like, uh, "Smite them down, yep, God!" And them. he like sent bears to maul them to death. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, that's that's something I would never read in any book, but you're telling me that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. I mean, that's, that's brutal. You Got know, some juicy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's if, if you're uh if you have any kind of a sprinkling of old Testament in your books and yeah, I have, I have, uh, I have, uh, highly, um, I, I would, I would imagine that, that you have some brutality in there. If that's the case. <laughs> It's full of that you know, smashing the babes against the rocks, man. There's some, ooh, yeah. You know, again, maybe don't buy it for your grandma. Yeah, but you know, most people. That's cool. Yeah, it's not overly violent for the sake of being violent. There's a lot of books. In fact, you know, there's only so much you can stomach. And uh, there's been some fantasy books I've tried to read where I'm just like, man, uh, <laughs> going a little bit too heavy with with uh, all that stuff. Oh yeah. So there's definitely some dark fantasies out there that I just I personally can't take. I like a little modicum of happiness yeah, yeah. in my yeah. in my life kind of, kind of breakthrough yeah you know? you know a little bit of sunlight coming through the clouds kind yeah, of thing yeah, yeah you gotta so, have a little bit of hope there a little bit of hope is nice i i'm kind of an asshole though if if uh if any if my grandmas were alive i'd probably buy it for them you know and then i would just like watch them read it and like see how uncomfortable they get you know and i'd be okay with that because <laughs> i'd make money <laughs> do you ever um you ever have your books just stacked up like this and just look at them and be like i did that man like yeah, that was a lot of work, and I did that. I do have them on my shelf, um, and I bought posters for sale at uh, Comic Cons. And when I'm I'm not uh, selling those, I'll have them just kind of hanging up on my wall. And it's really cool just to kind of see that your product, uh, your your 
time invested into something and seeing a product come out of it, yeah. uh, something tangible that you can put your hands on, something really satisfying about uh, seeing your, your fruits, the fruits of your labor come to life. Uh, yeah, so it's just pretty cool to look back and say, yeah, I did that. And uh, in fact, picking up the books and taking them over here, I was like, this is a, a slab of paper. Yeah. <laughs> this is a lot of paper. Yeah, and that's um, that's a, a quest I've been on my whole life, and I haven't attained it. And and I um, and I used to be a different person, you know. And I, w- I would be I would be jealous and be like, <laughs> well, they did that. Why didn't I do that? They get all that. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm happy for you, dude. Yeah, this, thank this you. Is, this is good. This is a, this is a lot of. I see what I see is a lot of work and a lot of accomplishment and. No matter how much you how much you sell, any money you make of it, none of that matters. You you did this, and that's that's huge to me. Yeah, thank you. I think it's easy for anyone who tries to get into art and tries to put their art out there. It's really easy to overcome, be overcome with that, or struggle with that, and and struggle with jealousy. And I I'm I'm guilty of that. Uh, to kind of talk about some of the issues uh, in in the arts is uh, it's easy to look at what other people do. And say, man, I wish I had that. I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have done that. And uh, how come he gets to do that? His stuff isn't as good as mine or, you know, this or that. And yeah, yeah. You know, one thing or another, it's easy to have envy. And I think it's important to take a step back and reassess and uh, find that that uh, respect and say, you know, we're all in this together. Uh, it's not a competition. Uh, people can read more than one book, believe it or not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, take their... Uh, Take their uh, their work and respect it, and uh, heck, uh, you know, help them sell it. You know, put their name out there, and and we're all in this together and help each other out. Uh, that's that's definitely one of the struggles is uh, is that potential jealousy you can have. Yeah, yeah, that's that's behind me though, man. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy for you. Thank you. And uh, I hope you continue to sell these, and hope you continue to write and make some more, and I will buy those too. And, um, yeah, man, that's, uh, yeah. You got any, uh, any, any last, uh, bits of wisdom for any, any Oh, we're at the end already, or... man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and no, I just, uh, I guess I would just say to anybody wanting to write is, uh, just keep your nose to the grindstone, keep giving it your all and never give up find a mentor, find an online community, find a support group and, uh, just be a part of it and, uh, support others and, uh, try to find, uh, your, your niche and your support group and find a mentor. And, uh, if anybody would like any, uh, advice or help, you know, feel free to reach out. I'm always active on social medias. Um, but other than that, like just stick with it and, uh, always, you know, keep at it. Yeah. Uh, well, now I apologize for having you uh, shoot your shot, but I'm going to continue now because you brought that up. I was actually going to ask you that earlier, and I forgot. <laughs> but you, because you mentioned not having a mentor, and I was going to ask you that exactly is if uh, if how how you respond to people reaching out to you because because like I said, I have I have friends that have you know tried to write here and there, and they mm-hmm. can pick it up, they put it down, and and I've read some of their stuff, and they they make good stuff, but sometimes yeah. they just don't stick with it, and maybe they need someone that can help uh, you know kind of bounce ideas off of or any kind of um, feedback like that so Mm -hmm. that's something that you would absolutely because uh, you know uh, like I said I never had a mentor I never had somebody to tell me give me advice and to 
have a support group. And uh, even uh, back then, I didn't even have any online support groups. Uh, and now there's so many great communities out there on Facebook and whatnot that you can uh, find. But back when I was really getting going, uh, I didn't even have good internet where I lived. So I just, the internet was not an option. And, uh, you know, I really want to pay that forward. I, I learned a lot over the years of doing this. And uh, I really want to pay that forward and uh, help other people achieve uh, their dreams. So if anybody, you know, has any uh, needs any help with anything, feel free to reach out. Uh, always, always down to help others out. Yeah. And I think, um, you, you'd probably agree that a mentorship mentorship or being a mentee, uh, has little to do with age, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a mentor has a, a specific bit of knowledge and a mentee craves that knowledge. Exactly. So it doesn't matter where you come from, your age, anything like that. Just wanted to put that out there in case anyone's like, well, I don't know. I'm, you know, might be 20 years older than that guy. I don't want I'm, to. I'm still kind of young. I do. <laughs> I do get that sometimes where, uh, you know, people might look at my age and, and see, uh, you know, I, I have more life experience than him. And uh, in my professional, uh, my professional realm uh, where we won't get into that today, but uh, there's definitely some of some of that. You can see a little bit of dogma about age. Um, most people in my profession, my professional um realm generally older and uh, been around the block a little longer uh, but i have trained uh, a lot of older guys i've trained a lot of older people in their jobs i've have, they've come on they've shadowed uh, under me and uh, have gone on to start their own successful businesses so um, i've mentored in many aspects of my life uh, on different things so uh, this is just one new avenue that i'd love to help people out with and i've done that in the past too i've helped out uh, other uh, aspiring writers of uh, trying to get their name out there and get their books going and I've uh, helped them out. Uh, editing is a huge thing with writing. Uh, a lot of people can publish their their book and they just don't have a good editor. Um, so you can uh, send that stuff over. Um, we can work on it together. I've done a lot of workshops and things like that and uh, I'll be blunt and uh, honest. Uh, I think that's extremely valuable. Uh, if anyone is serious in their art and their profession, you have to accept criticism. You have to uh, have a hard skin and the desire to improve yourself. And you're never going to do that if you're soft and you don't accept criticism. You'll never get very far in life in general like that. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to dissolve the ego. Exactly. You can't go in just thinking you're the you know, the best writer since so-and-so. Exactly. <laughs> always have to try to improve. I'm, I'm always trying to improve every day and seeing what I could do to, to uh, make my skill sets even better and, and put out the best uh, quality products that I can for people to enjoy is my uh, life's goal is to, you know, inspire people and, and bring out happiness in the world and, and bring out these characters and these stories that I want to tell and hope people enjoy them. And that's the best kind of goal someone can have in my opinion. Um, man, now I, now I'm kind of balking at the idea of, uh, rapping so early. Cause <laughs> now I have, going. <laughs> I've had more thoughts come in my head. I mean, if you, I didn't know, I didn't want to bring up your, your, you know, day to day profession. Cause I didn't know if that was something that you wanted to talk to, but, um, you know, since you mentioned, uh, training and, and mentoring other people in that, um, what is it you do when you're not writing? <laughs> um, I am a home inspector. Uh, own my own business. I've been doing that for uh, almost uh, five years now. 
uh, helped out thousands of clients. Uh, in fact, uh, you were actually a client. Um, so uh, always love to help people out. And I've, I've found a lot of passion and joy in doing what I do. Uh, so that's what I do professionally uh, here in the Waco area. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, you know, writing's always been my 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 passion in life and something I've always wanted to do. Uh, I never really wanted to be like a professional, like full time writer necessarily. I know a lot of writers want to aspire to that, uh, but I've never really uh, wanted to just sit in a chair all day every day at a computer writing <laughs> yeah it's something i enjoy but i think if i did that every day um i know some people can do that but i am i can't sit for that long i've got to be active and do things um but you know maybe one day when i'm a little bit older and feel like sitting around more i might yeah, want to yeah. be it make it a full-time endeavor <laughs> yeah but yeah. for now i've got a job unfortunately <laughs> well um yeah, just so I, I sit and work all day and and it's, I, I enjoy my work, but I hate sitting all day. I have to get up and walk every few minutes. I have to get right. constantly coffee breaks, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, just for some, some context background, um, uh, the, the way that I uh, reached out to you is because Brian here inspected my house and then uh, our mutual friend Garrett, who sold me my house. Uh, when I had brought up the podcast, Garrett was like, Hey, uh, you know, Brian, right? So I was like, I know a guy. What? <laughs> and then I, I looked at your profile, looked at your site and I was like, Oh, be damned. <laughs> so that's how this, this all happened. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, it was, it was a great, um, bit of coincidence. Yeah. Small world there. So yeah. in fact, I ran into a, a, cl- a former client of mine. Uh, I was out running some errands today, went into a store, I was giving out my contact info for the the clerk and uh, the secretary over there was like, "You're that name sounds familiar. Are you a home inspector?" I'm like, "I am." She's like, "Oh, you inspected my house the last year." I'm like, "Really?" Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a so small world, man. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, it's always uh, it's it's always fun to to get an insight into what people do, you know, day to day and their you know side projects hobbies yeah, hustles yeah. that kind of thing that's so. that's always my favorite thing people always ask you know what do you do for a living I, I really like to ask like what do you like to do what's your passion you know yeah. what are you about and I always find those to me a lot more engaging conversations because everybody uh well, not maybe not everybody but a lot of people have side hustles and hobbies and passions and i love picking people's brains on that stuff seeing what they love to do yeah no, and that's you know that's that's the, sort of the the advent to this whole thing, is that I I, I just like talking to people. You know, it's like <laughs> I have a purpose. Might as well do something with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have an underlying purpose with it is is to 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 find out what you know kind of makes the artist and what what makes the artist create. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, if you want to get down to brass tacks, I just like talking to people, and it's like you know I I teach um, daily. That's, that's what I do. And my favorite part of the day is just talking to my students about what they're doing, what they're getting into, what what things are right. working on, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's fun. I, I, I crave human interaction and I think that the world needs more human interaction and, uh, yeah, less TikTok, more human interaction. I, I have, I, think. I have an extreme love hate relationship with the internet, <laughs> you know, me too. It, it's, me too. it's great technology. Obviously there's mm-hmm. a lot that good that comes from it, but at the same time, it's like, man, we, you need to like, you know, hang out with people face to face. Yeah. It, and it can kill your motivation. It can sap your motivation. And uh, yeah. I, I really, to sit down and write, man, I have to throw my phone across the room and I have to shut it off. I gotta, 
otherwise, I'm going to be on that every 10 minutes, just checking Facebook or something or texting people. And um, I, I still have to check my phone for business. And that's the unfortunate part is like, I still have to go over there and I'm like, well, okay, well, maybe I'll just go over there in 10 minutes and check it. And, and I have a bad habit of just always doing that. Yeah. And, uh, definitely phase out distractions is some more advice I could give phase that out, you know, get the, put the kids on a, a video game in the next room or something and just do your thing. Yeah. I, uh, I, I do the same thing. You know, I try, I try not to be distracted, but then I'll get like a Slack notification. I'm like, Oh, that's probably one of my students asking questions. Mm-hmm. And so I'll get on there, I'll read it, I'll respond. And then Facebook and then Instagram. Well, I'm already here, you know, <laughs> yeah. might as well. Yeah. And, uh, I can't, uh, I have an addictive personality and that really uh, came out with EverQuest. <laughs> that's yep. that, that's when I knew. I'm like, I have a problem. You know? I knew that as well. <laughs> uh, so that's why it, I, I personally have to force myself to set that stuff aside. I have to put down the controller. I have to go um, take care of my chores, my business first in the day. And then I usually write in the evenings. Everybody's got that kind of time. Find that time that works for you. Find I'm that so time glad that you, you have. said that because... That's something I meant to ask you 30 minutes ago, and it just <laughs> slipped away. Yeah, uh, so tell us more about that. Oh, yeah, you, you know, uh, find find that time that works for you. Find that uh, creative, when the creative juices flow. Every, some people are like early birds, you know, morning people. I am not. I'll wake up early every day, but my creative juices will not be there. Um, and like afternoon time, from like 2 to 4, I am useless mentally. Uh, I'll do my professional job, but creative, forget it. Um, but evenings, that's when the juices flow for me. So, you know, find that time that works for you. Uh, evenings can be tricky, um, for a lot of people, especially those with families. Um, I know a lot of writers who have families and they do it professionally for, for a living. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a struggle for them to, to write in the evenings, but that's when it works for them. So you got to find that time that works for you and just stick with it treat it like a job if you can. You know, I, I always try to sit down and say, okay, from here to here, I'm going to uh, sit down, put my butt in the chair, throw the phone away and just focus and write as much as I can. I uh, formulate a plan, uh, ha- follow the outline and just write as much as I can in that time frame. Uh, and then I write until the juices fade away. And then I, uh, you know, mentally move on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, you know, a lot of people, they'll, uh, maybe espouse the idea of luck with, with people's success, but <laughs> yeah, you know, and that is true. You have to have luck. Anyone has to have luck to do anything successfully, but there has to be, uh, I guess what I would call time and contact with whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. You have to, there's the hard work you have to put in the work and, but the more you put in the work, the more chances you have of getting lucky. That's a so, good, that's a good way of looking at it. I like that. Yeah. I never really thought about that, but there is, always going to be some luck involved and uh, right place, right time kind of thing. But yeah, if you definitely put more time into something, you might see some uh, better results from it. Yeah. I think people that are successful are, uh, I think they're extremely hardworking. Mm-hmm. I, I would never take the work out of anyone. You know, I would never take that away from anyone because for anyone to be successful and I'm not talking about like trust fund babies or anything, but someone who who's, who's, uh, you know, born in an, a normal family, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> somewhere between lower and middle class, you know, sure. it, it always takes hard work, but it takes just as much luck. But for the people who are extremely successful, it's, 
extreme amount of hard hard work, but it's an, also an extreme amount of luck. Like your Bill Gates and your Steve Jobs, they were extremely hardworking, but they got really lucky. Like right time, right place. Right. That no one else could have been in that time and place. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it, it's just, but all of it, it doesn't matter. As much luck as there, it always takes hard work. So it's time in the chair. Mm-hmm. Time, time in, in chair. contact with the work. Exactly. So, um. Yeah, you got We need something good to go out on. You got, a, you got any good quotes or anything? Man, quotes. I'm usually a quote guy, but I'm all out right now. Uh, hmm. <laughs> I would say uh, I have a quote for each of my books. Something that kind of encapsulates the concept of the book. Um, William Shakespeare wrote in Hamlet. Uh, there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. 